You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi there, good morning. It is Friday the 10th of November, Friday the 10th of November, in the evening for me, still in Melbourne, ahead of uh, their Champions Day at Flemington tomorrow, but checking in back home with David Yates, newsboy of the Daily Mirror, first of all, and lots of news to round up. And we will start, David, with the trainer Milton Harris, who's been one of the more high-profile jumps trainers in the UK uh, through the last two or three seasons, notable particularly for his exploits in juvenile hurdle races. Uh, what has happened to him or to his horses? Right, well, there were two horses, Balboa and Giddy Up a Ding Dong, uh, who were due to run at Ludlow yesterday. They didn't run because the BHA ruled that they were not qualified uh, to run. Uh, mystery surrounds this issue, as we often say uh, in uh, tabloid land. Um, a BHA spokesman, spokesperson did say Balboa and Giddy Upper Ding Dong were not qualified to race at Ludlow today due to an issue about which we are liaising with Mr. Harris. We will be making no further comment at this time. Um, Obviously, a, a bit of background. Milton Harris is 64. He's had uh, a colourful life, two spells as a trainer. Um, the first of those ended amid uh, bankruptcy in 2011. He returned in 2018 and, of course, has made a, a real success of training, uh, notably when Knight Salute was uh, was awarded the the uh, the juvenile hurdle at Aintree in 2022. Remember the, the dead heat uh, with Pied Piper. And he sent out 33 winners so far this season. So that's about the nuts and bolts of it, Nick. Yeah, I, I have done a little bit of um, asking around. The uh, BHA are being pretty tight-lipped about this. Um, they said they couldn't really add anything above the line that was in the, the racing post. I asked, without specifics, were they allowed to say whether this is a situation that is going to continue for the foreseeable future? They said, no, we we can't confirm or, or deny whether that's going to be the case at present. And the final question I asked was, um, has Milton Harris's licence been uh, temporarily uh, withdrawn or, or suspended? And again, no comment was, was forthcoming. Uh, Milton Harris... Uh, has contacted me saying uh, I will contact you later. It will be sorted today. So there is obviously an issue of some sort. Um, the trainer feels that it is going to be sorted out quickly, but the BHA are unwilling to pass any further comment. Uh, and obviously, I don't know what sorted means. It might just mean that there is a mechanism that has been found to enable horses to run from the stable, but there may be continuing issues between Milton Harris or the stable and the British Horse Racing Authority. That, as yet, is unclear. You sense that however the rest of the day unfolds, this is not the last time we're going to be talking about this and we could be looking at a situation of some significance. That's all on that for now. Right, Dave. Um, Harry Bentley, the former British-based jockey now in Hong Kong, is in the wires. What's what's happened here? Yeah, uh, Harry Bentley has been in Hong Kong since April 2021. Obviously, we know about uh, the success that he had in Britain before he uh, went to the former colony. Um, this was a statement last night from the 
Hong Kong Jockey Club Chief Steward Mark Van Gestel. Um, Harry Bentley has been charged under the rules of racing, and this is two days after inquiry into the rider's potential disciplinary matter. Chief Steward Mark Van Gestel said last night, uh, the stewards have issued licensed jockey Mr H Bentley with a charge under the rules of racing, uh, adding that the hearing of the charge will take place on Monday next week. Uh, Harry Bentley hasn't ridden um, since last Friday, and he'll miss his third race in a row, uh, which is uh, Shartin on Saturday. So, yeah, beyond that, I don't know what um, what the substance of this is, but uh, the the um, the hearing of the charge mm. will take place on Monday. Yeah, they're giving Harry Bentley time, I think, to get his legal representative uh, there and in situ. There was a picture of him today coming out of a, a hearing with two large black folders under his arm. So... Uh, this one looks set to run and run. Reminder, Harry Bentley's successful career in the UK, six times champion jockey in Qatar, been riding in Hong Kong, as you say, since 2021 and has appeared on this podcast several times to talk about his exploits in Hong Kong. Yeah, um, from one end of the news spectrum, if you like, to the other, uh, it appears to be confirmed now that Frankie Dottori is going to enter the jungle for the TV programme, uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. This has been um, widely speculated on. The Sun ran with a story yesterday and named the dozen people that were likely to go in there. Uh, he is, of course, in Australia now. Um, he is, again, remaining quite tight-lipped about uh, whether or not he's going to go into the jungle. Um, but it seems that that is looking pretty likely. It looks that way, doesn't it? This is going to be very interesting. Um, remember that Frankie Dottori has been on uh, those reality TV programmes before. Uh, he was on uh, the 11th series of Celebrity Big Brother. I've done a bit of research on this, Nick. This isn't stuff that I'm just reeling uh, from my memory banks. I think he was the, he was the fifth evict, evictee. Uh, Razor Ruddock, Claire Richards of Steps. Yeah, remember. Rylan Clark, Rylan Clark won it. Um, Trisha Penrose, a favourite, of course, for, for heartbeat uh, viewers. Jilly Tailford from EastEnders and uh, the um, the programme she used to do with uh, Chris Biggins were on that series. Um, the As you say, the, the son have published the 12 names. The uh, the Jungle Mates are Tony Bellews, Jamie Lynn Spears, who is the sister of uh, Britney Spears, Nigel Farage, well, we know all about him, Nick Pickard, the actor from Hollyoaks, a few wow. others, Josie Gibson, Fred Sirex, I don't, I, I'm afraid I don't know his work, Nella Rose, Danielle Harold, EastEnders actress, uh, Sam Thompson, Martin Humes, and Grace Dent. So that looks like the the uh, the 12, including Frankie, uh, for The Jungle, which starts on Sunday, November the 19th. Wow. Interesting this. There'll be loads of people saying, oh, it's good for racing. Well, after Frankie's had to eat a, uh, a pair of kangaroo testicles uh, sitting in the jungle, we might just see the bottom lip come out for a couple of days before he's evicted. And we'll see quite how good uh, it is for racing then, shall we? All right. Now, the petition that we uh, launched on, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago with Nevin Truesdale and then appeared uh, some days later uh, to try and get a parliamentary debate on affordability checks has stalled um, a little way short of the target of 100,000 signatures. It raced up to 50,000 and then 
with another push got to sort of 70 odd and it's in the 70s now but he's some way short and has been for a while now of the 100,000 uh, Will Woodhams from uh, Fitzdares who support this podcast is with me now uh, you've been driving as hard as anybody uh, this particular bus uh, Will and it needs another push it certainly does and thanks thanks for mentioning on the podcast Nick I think it's critical for people particularly the racing industry just to get the word out I think something like a handful of people signed it in the new market in Cambridgeshire area, which seems a bit crazy. Um, I think what Nevin and the Jockey Club are trying to do here is just put this agenda on ministers' tables harder. There is going to be some form of affordability checks, but this final push should hopefully make sure that racing can get funding from bookmakers that it deserves and needs to survive. So it's critical. I just feel like a lot of people in racing probably signed it immediately and then forgot about it. And I just feel like, you know, there'll be a couple million people watching uh, Aintree tomorrow and um, and they need to just quickly sign it and, and protect the future of racing. It's as simple as that. And how do we sign it? Just remind me. If you go to just the, uh, the government petition websites, basically just Google um, affordability petition and you'll find a racing post link or go on the racing post or go anywhere or the jockey club and you'll find a link to it. But it's, it's, it's hosted by the government on the petition site and the uh, signee is Never Truesdale from the jockey club. Yeah, and we'll post it on our social um, media, or repost it, I should say, on our uh, on our social media handles. Um, Will, thanks very much. Hugely appreciated, Nick. Thank you. Should we talk about the racing that's taking place in the UK and Ireland this weekend? Uh, Down Royal, first of all, the postponed Ladbrokes champion chase, just the four of them, and none has a completely convincing profile, bar perhaps the second season novice Jerry Colomb. There'll be some long faces if he doesn't win this race won't there, even though the three horses he's facing are horses who have achieved an awful lot, including one Gold Cups, etc. Yeah, they've, that's absolutely right. I mean, the three horses that uh, Jerry Colomb takes on, they've to say that they've had their days in the sun is an understatement, isn't it? They've been exceptional uh, national hunt horses, exceptional chasers uh, over the last few seasons on their day. The only thing is that uh, I don't think you'd want to bet your last pound that uh, that tomorrow is the day for them, or indeed any day is the day. Minella Indo, of course, uh, winner of the Cheltenham Gold Cup in 2021, conflated winner of the Irish Gold Cup uh, last December, and Envoi Allen. Well, we'd need another half hour to go through uh, that horse's career. But all of them, of course, grade one winners and exceptional chasers. But Jerry Colomb is the odds-on favourite, and it's not hard to see why on um, his uh, career as a novice chaser last season. The only defeat over fences was when he finished like a train, uh, but just failed by a short head to overhaul the real whacker in the Brown Advisory Novices Chase. At the Cheltenham Festival, he made handsome amends at Aintree a month later. So this horse is is definitely one of those that we think of as as, uh, possibles for the Cheltenham Gold Cup in March. And as you say, despite the fact that it's his first run of the season and uh, the target has been moved by seven days because of the waterlogging at Down Royal a week ago. There will be a few long faces and some downcast looks if Jerry Colomb doesn't come up Trump's tomorrow afternoon. All right, well, it is then a straight to Bromhead Elliott 
uh, standoff in the Labrooks Champion Chase. Jerry Colomb and conflated for Gordon Elliott and Envoyalen and Manila Indo for, for Henry de Bromhead. Uh, Gordon Elliott's with me now. Um, Gordon, I sort of set this up by saying that even though Jerry Colomb is the joint lowest rated of the quartet, uh, we all expect great things of him. Are we right to expect him to, to win this on his seasonal debut? Look, he's in good form, Nick, but I mean, um, all the other horses in the field have a run this year. Whether the crowd is as fit as they can have him starting off, I'd be disappointed if he's not back there. And he obviously rounded off last season in terrific style uh, at Aintree. Do you believe he was unlucky not to win at the Cheltenham Festival? Yeah, I do, definitely. Um, look, it was just one of them things on the day we didn't win, but um, I think if we all had our time back, he'd definitely won. But look, he finished the season off on the right note, and uh, he's a very good horse, albeit he's not a very good workhorse at home. He doesn't do much, but uh, keeps all his work on the track, you know. And can, can you see much beyond... Uh, tomorrow, where do you think his season might go between uh, tomorrow and and the Gold Cup if all goes well? All goes well. I'm sort of half thinking we'll have one run and then the Gold Cup, whether that's Christmas or, or February, I'm not sure, but I'd imagine it'll be Christmas and then um, and then on to the Gold, the Gold Cup. All right, you've got conflated in the race as well. He's quite a tricky horse to, to predict, but on his day, he's a very, very good horse. Any grounds for encouragement, do you think? Look, he's come on, he come on uh, stone for, for, for Punchestown. I hadn't gone back in long at the time and ran him. I mean, he is in good form, but look, he's probably, you know, he's probably at his level and Jerry's probably on the way up, if I'm being honest, you know. Um, you know, but Jerry's probably be the pick of mine, I'd, I'd have to say. But, you know, Henry's two horses, both have runs, Manila window, obviously a Gold Cup winner. Um, was good in Punchestown and, and by Allen, I suppose, the better round gets, the better chance he has, you know. Gordon Elliott there, good luck to him at Down Royal with a whole slew of runners over the next couple of days, including that brace uh, of horses in the big race itself, the Ladbrokes Champion Chase. You'll be able to catch that tomorrow afternoon. What's happening in Britain? Well, Aintree will go ahead. The Grand National Course race, the Grand Sefton, will also go ahead, having passed an inspection just a few moments ago. Uh, and also racing at Wincanton, where old favourite Frodon bids to win another edition of Wincanton's prestigious Badger Beer Chase, ridden by Bryony Frost, one of the most enduring partnerships in racing. Uh, will they be cheered home to a resounding success, David Yates? Well, Frodon's got a, a leading chance. I don't think I'm uh, uncovering anything that uh, people don't already know in saying that, but... He is an 11-year-old now, rising 12. He's the top weight here. I think he might be vulnerable to something there, Nick. But uh, quite what just at the moment, I think I'll I'll decide in a couple of hours. It goes without saying, Frodon and Briny Frost have been one of the most popular combinations of uh, jump racing over the past few seasons. And they'll bring the house down if they win again tomorrow afternoon. But... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm not sure that this will give uh, Bryony Frost or Paul Nichols sleepless nights. They probably won't be carrying the Newsboy selection. Well, it is a very big weekend in the West Country because it's not just Wincanton tomorrow for the Badger Beer, but it's Exeter today for the Holden Gold Cup. You'll have heard me talking to Steve Preston about Editor de G carrying top weight in that. And this part of a relatively recently conceived initiative to try and uh, promote the two days sitting cheek by jowl with one another. What it does, of course, is it means that clerk of the course at both venues uh, dan cooper has a uh, an inordinately large workload but he can spare me a minute here um how's this coming together dan is it working well the concept absolutely yeah we would say it's it's incredibly encouraging the group uh, purchases of tickets is high so that means people are buying tickets for both days 
today, holding Gold Cup Day. They're obviously staying down in the southwest and they're heading to Wincanton again tomorrow. So we've seen a massive increase of group and doublehead tickets, and that's really positive. And from an operational point of view, challenging. We're the same team. We cover both sites, uh, but absolutely doable. And we'll, we're ready. Both sites set for an excellent weekend. It does look as though it's going to be a, a fabulous weekend's racing. We've talked a little bit about Frodon and the and the Badger Beer, but the the good novice chasers out at Exeter today and the Holden Gold Cup both holding up extremely well. I guess you're someone who probably hasn't minded too much rain, aren't you? I mean, relative to most people. I would agree, yeah. I'm very happy with where we're at. We're, we're on the sort of the 50-50 mark of good to soft, soft, or soft, good to soft, depending on what, what minute you look at it, to be honest. And we've had heavy showers, but they don't last more than two or three minutes. And then you might have an hour break of no showers at all. So we've had quite complex sort of wetting ground and then drying ground all week this week. Uh, rainfall quantities are around the 20 mil mark in the last sort of few days. Uh, at both sites um, but this is only breaking down to sort of six seven eight mil each day so perfectly fine very normal jumping ground wish you well for the two days dan thanks so much thank you and not david yates to luca morgan the champion conditional jumps jockey who has had to retire um, very early on uh, this is a this is a great shame what's he said luca morgan is 22 he won the conditionals title at uh, the end of last season with 46 winners. Um, but I think it's no secret that uh, he's been struggling with his weight. On on Twitter stroke X uh, yesterday, he said, uh, a sad day, but today my dream since I was very small and my career since I was 16 comes to an end. It's been an amazing journey that I've loved every second of. I've had a war with the scale since I started and it's time to do what's right for me and my body. What Ben Pauling, he's attached to uh, Ben Pauling's Gloucestershire Yard and Ben Pauling's wife Sophie and all the brilliant owners and team have done for me has been unbelievable and I'm indebted to them completely. I lived my dream and will always be proud of what I achieved. Um, he told the Racing Post that he wasn't sure uh, what the immediate future holds, but uh, it's very sad. We, we've watched uh, his brief career uh, and the winners that Luca Morgan rode with admiration and with interest. And uh, it's sad that it's come to a, a premature end. And I suppose, given his size, however, it's it's not that surprising. But certainly, I, I hope that he stays in racing and, uh, and that the future is a happy one because his brief career was certainly one that he can look back on with pride. Well, a man for whom Luca Morgan uh, had so much success and uh, paid tribute to yesterday was uh, Ben Pauling, who joins me now. Uh, ben, this is a um, a really a really difficult end to what's been a very bright but brief brief career. Um, how how do you sort of feel about about Luca and the decision that he's made? Yeah, no, it is. Um... It is. It is a, it, it's a good way of putting it. A difficult end, only because it's ended far sooner than it really should have, and it's it goes to demonstrate how tough it is these days. You know, and it always has been actually for any jockey that struggles with their weight. You know, Luke is an incredibly committed uh, young man. He's always watched his weight. He's never been one to let himself go and try and get it all back. But it's repeatedly losing weight or watching your weight uh for for, for young lads that are of the bigger build is, is 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 very tough mentally and physically 
what were his key strengths, do you think? And, and what, in terms of his personality and character, will be his strengths as he transitions to another career? He's incredibly thorough in everything he does. Um, he's incredibly quick-witted and, you know, a real great, great fun member of the team around the yard. Um, great for morale, great for a lot of things. But it was his... He, he, he was he was like every good jockey I think you have to be obsessed really um, is the bottom line with what you're doing and he he sort of lived breathed slept being slept being a jockey and you know his knowledge of every horse in the race whether he was riding in the race or not was incredible because he just followed racing that that deeply um, and so he he sort of knew what he was going to do the whole time. He was very, he very much had an old, old head on young shoulders. He he found, he didn't find the big day um, any different to the to the small day. And he was a great guy to work with and a lot of fun. We got on particularly well. And um, yeah, he'll be a huge loss to the team. Right on this podcast earlier in the week, I spoke to Richard Thompson from Cheveley Park Stud. Um, about the jumps horses and about Inspiral, but Alaho uh, did make a winning reappearance after a long time off the track at Clonmel yesterday, David. Was he impressive or not? Yes, I think he was pretty impressive. Um, his jumping was a bit stuffy early on, but in the end, he came home in front of uh, two, well, inferior rivals. Janadil, his stable companion, chased him home. He's a decent horse in his own right, although not as good as Alaho, and he won by nine lengths. Um, th- there were just two of them that uh, took Alaho on, and yeah, I, I thought it was it was pleasing enough. I mean, the the book is trimmed him at the head of the market for the Ryanair Chase. He was five to one at the start of trading yesterday, and he's now a three to one shot. And uh, so, you know, obviously they, they'll they'll do that as long as a horse goes round. It, it, they don't necessarily have to be particularly impressive to be cut for those targets. Um, the interesting thing I thought was just talking to Richard Thompson uh, last night, he said that, that the King George was the most likely next run uh, for Alaho. Remember that he was the favourite for Kempton last winter when the uh, the rumours started swirling at one of the November meetings, I think it was probably the the Friday of the sorry, one of the Cheltenham meetings. I think it was the Friday of the November meeting uh, when he was actually um, when he was scratched from the the King George. So that was the plan last year, and it sounds like it's the plan this year too. As we know, a formidable horse. He pr- he proved his stamina over three miles in the Punchdown Gold Cup on his last run before his long absence. So we'll see what he does when he's back in. Uh, the top level but yeah I thought that was pleasing enough yesterday okay well it won't be long before we're into the big money sales at Tattersall's the breeding stock sale which um, now has a a special session uh, labeled the scepter sessions for some of the the absolute blue bloods or those who've achieved an enormous amount on the on the race course there's six individual group one winners amongst them uh, two of which come from the same stable that of Rafe Beckett and have been running in the same colors Lazoo and prosperous voyage and Rafe's with me now um you'll be first of all Rafe very sorry to see the the pair of them go but they've done you they've done you proud we will um Nick you know they sort of came from uh they came, both came through the ranks achieved more than uh more than was expected so uh it's been great to have them and um we'll certainly miss them i guess they will offer um breeders 
something slightly different. Just tell me what what sort of um, influences you think they could be, and, and what sort of stallions you think they could they could be good for. Well, Prosperous Voyage is a pedigree that I think so. Yeah, no, I think Northern Dancer only appeared once in the first five generations. So she is a filly who uh, who will be able to go to just about everything and gives whoever buys her every option. And obviously, Lizou being by Zoostar out of a Red Cup's mare, she also has a myriad of options. So uh, they'll, um, you know, they're both tough, hardened fillies. They're tired, sound, and uh, they've been in training right up to sale as well. So uh, any prospective purchasers have that option as well. So they ha- they uh, they have all options open to them, and uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure that'll make them attractive. Um, would you Would you like them back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, it's been difficult for Lazoo this year. It sometimes happens like that when they have a year like she did. Uh, three-year-old career can be tricky. And uh, Prosperous Voyage felt that things didn't really go away midsummer, and that had a knock-on effect for the rest of the year. So, of course, but uh, it will be fascinating to see what happens. Trainer Rafe Beckett there on his Group 1 winners, Lazoo and Prosperous Voyage, two of six mares that are catalogued for the Tattersall December mares sale as part of the prestigious Scepter sessions that will be uh, included as part of that catalogue on Monday the 4th and Tuesday the 5th of December. OK, well, it is my final day in Melbourne tomorrow, Saturday, uh, because it is Champions Day and the feature race features the horse who was second to the Melbourne Cup winner without a fight. West Wind blows in the Caulfield Cup last time. And he's a pretty heavy favourite for the race as well. And his trainer, Ed Crisford, is in town. Uh, Ed, did you, when, did you, when did you get in? Uh, I got in this morning, Nick, from uh, uh, LA after the Breeders' Cup. And no, feeling pretty good, actually. So, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. And obviously, the the form took a massive boost earlier in the earlier in the week. I mean, to what extent do you think we should take that literally as regards your horse's chance tomorrow? Well, I think it's got to be a, it's got to be a big upside. Um, you know, I was actually thinking, how would a Western Blows run in the Melbourne Cup? And you know, Sulkin was second. West uh, without a fight was the winner. I mean, that's got to be. Uh, proper proper solid form so yeah I think we've got to take it pretty literally and um, yeah no it's exciting to be here and, and to have him running in his final race here. and what about the trip do you think do you think a drop to, to 10 furlongs is it is any kind of an issue for him I actually you know I think that's that it, Flemington is a lovely galloping track and I think that is that that's sort of what he wants now you know, there's always a question mark on whether he's better over 2,000 or 2,400. Um, and, but I think he's very effective over 2,000. A lot of his good form in Europe has been over this trip. And the one thing that both of us have been commenting on is it's absolutely baking today. It's up north of 30 degrees, probably hotter here than it, than it was in LA. Uh, it's going to be drying out the ground. I heard the track superintendent saying he was going to put... I think something like seven mils on, um, but it, it drains so fast. Is it going to is it is it going to be too quick for him, or will he be okay on it? No, he'll be absolutely fine. Um, 
you know, the Caulfield Cup that day was actually pretty quick that day. I walked the track and I was surprised how quick it was compared to, compared to the tracks in sort of England or France. Um, and he handled it really well. And, and again, you know, a lot of his, he's very versatile. He can run on soft ground, but a lot of his good form has been on, on quick surfaces. And I think tomorrow will be fine. You know, I just want him to, his draws too, we just want him to, you know, pop out, get a good enough position. And, um, you know, just as long as there's a bit of pace on, I'm sure he'll be finishing very well. All right, time to bring you a story which is um, undoubtedly a good news story, and that is that National Racehorse Week had a record-breaking year in its third incarnation. Uh, Great British Racing Chief Executive Rod Street joins me now. Rod, what are the what are the key numbers? What are the what are the things that we're most happy about? I think we're we're happy about a, a lot of things, Nick. I think the fact that we got almost sixteen thousand people along to over 209 events shows real cut through around the country. And that was led by such a cooperative racing community of trainers, of studs, of community operators um, helping us to facilitate that. So moving big number through was fantastic. That was a, a record. Um, over 3,000 children came to, to 60 of our community events, um, a number of schools, inner city urban equestrian centres, community and charity groups, we took horses into care homes and hospitals, which is incredibly powerful. But of course, that's all great. But the the real the real focus is what difference does it make, and is it having an impact? Um, and we survey the people who attend, and ninety four percent had a positive impression on welfare as a result of their visit. And we, we're we're there talking about you know a, a, a large number of those people over 60% being non-quarter racing, like occasional race goers or never having been before. So we're we're taking the message about equine welfare to different and wider audiences, and that is the purpose of National Racehorse Week. Where was the biggest jump up, do you think, from year two to year three? What, what, was, what was the biggest gain? Um, I think it's the engagement uh, across not only the yards but all of these community areas um and it's wonderful when this sport all agrees on something and its participants all rally behind something and i think they understand that the challenge to racing social license is real we've seen the challenges we've had earlier in the year with uh, animal rising at um at, at the, the grand national the, the derby um and people want to tell racing story and tell it positively. And, and I think one of the real changes is our tone of voice is positive now. We're, we're, not, we're no longer saying, you know, we don't hurt horses. We're saying horses are well cared for. Come and see. Come and make your mind up. Come and see for yourself. And that's what we need to keep doing. I, I think for me, the, the, the urgency about this and the focus needs to be that we maintain this that we don't think this is some kind of project that we can do for a couple of years and then the problem goes away. I think the challenge is real and will continue for some time. So we've got to, to continue to be super energetic about this. But um, as you can see from the numbers, Nick, it's incredibly well supported. I mean, 209 different events is is a really good number. I mean, do you do you think that there is scope for more? Do you think that you could be looking at three, 400 events in, in years to come? 
Yeah, that has to be the aim. I, I think that we, you know, we we share these figures um, across the industry, and I think trainers who obviously very very busy people and, and all of their staff that you know there's lots of reasons why it's it might be difficult for them to open or um, it comes at a time of year when there, there are challenges but they they should be encouraged by what they see and and, and so I, there are still people that can open up there are still plenty of um non-racing yards like um you know like studs and and, and retraining centers that, that can open up so there's lots of scope and there's been tremendous growth and i think this will encourage people and notably as well there's some there's some softer things happening around the edges as well so in the, the survey we did with the yards um nearly three quarters say they use the event to promote syndicate opportunities um and over half of them received interest in that as a as a result of doing that because you know yourself nick it's quite seductive when you go to a yard and you see the horses and you meet the Definitely. staff and there's all that enthusiasm there so there's another level to this where you're not just getting people closer to horses and talking about how well careful they are there's an opportunity to generate some deeper participation through ownership so um i, I think you know they're all really really positive signs um a big challenge we got is the continued funding the racing foundation and the horse race betting levy board have been our lead partners and have been brilliant in facilitating this but um, we are still, in some cases, you know, scratching around to 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 fund a national campaign, and the sport really needs to find a, a longer term funding solution. Because um, the quicker we get the funding, the clearer we are on how much we've got, the more we can focus on actually getting on with promoting it and getting more people to these events. All right, thank you to Rod. Thank you to my guest today, David Yates, is still with me. Uh, David, it was the Cartier Awards last night one of the more lavish awards ceremonies. And uh, the big winner was Ace Impact, Horse of the Year and Champion three-year-old Colt. I suppose given August Rodan's last-ditch bid for those honours, his team might feel a little bit aggrieved, but quite hard to argue with Ace Impact as the Horse of the Year. He was brilliant in the arc. Yeah, it, I mean, Wensbury unreasonable is that legal phrase that I pull out of the drawer when uh, we discuss decisions that are, uh, that, that are so unreasonable that no uh, honest or competent panel could have come to them and certainly ace impacts uh victory as the the cartier horse of the year doesn't come into that category um as as someone based on this side of the uh the english channel i, I think that august rodan made a, a a bigger and better contribution to our flat racing summer but that's not necessarily what it's about ace impacts clearly an exceptional horse he retired on the back of six runs, he was unbeaten. He was redolent of Dancing Brave, the way that he swept down the outside at Longchamp to win what we thought was a, a pretty representative uh, arc in impressive style. He's now gone to start, and we wish him well there. Um, but yes, I, I imagine that it was a lavish do. I wasn't there in person myself, but uh, Ace Impact was the big winner. Uh, Mostadaf, the older horse. If I say Cartier all the time for these, will I get? Will they send me an expensive watch? Uh, Mostadaf was the Cartier older horse. Uh, the Cartier Sprinter was Shaquille. The Cartier Stare was uh, Trushan, and the Cartier two-year-old Colt City of Troy. Yeah, that should be enough. Um, I prefer uh, analog what is to digital ones if anyone's listening still lay your decent odds about that happening have you got a tip for me for today at similarly long odds uh not at that long odds actually i think it is it, it's more in like it, it's more likely 
that one of my selections will win, then I will receive a, a, a fancy sparkly watch. We go to Newcastle for the 620 race, and it's number eight, Bella Coppella. Uh, this horse trained by uh, Nigel Tinkler. Won twice over Newcastle seven furlongs earlier in her career. Has done most of her racing recently over sprint trips, but goes back up to seven furlongs here. And I hope that will do the trick. 6.20 race at Newcastle. Selection is number eight, Bella Coppella. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for David Yates to receive free goods from leading jewellery manufacturers. And on that note, I will leave you. Charlotte will be back later today. I'll see you after the weekend. Uh, where will I be in the world by then? I think I'll have made it as far as Bahrain, but don't count on it. From uh, Australia for the time being, goodbye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.